Phantomaniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Dave, and I am on vacation. So, I really haven't been on the internet at all, and it's been really nice. Now, I've been doing some social media stuff, like sharing the all-new YouTube video reviews of... Oh gosh, what are they? Oh, Beachhead. I put up a poll in the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group, which you should join if you haven't. Although, you have to answer the three questions. They're very simple questions, but they're gauging how well you can compose yourself in a social media-based group. Um, you have to answer those questions, and if you don't, that I'm going to delete your request. I, I mean, I give people like two weeks or something, and I'll send them a message saying, hey, you should answer these questions. And in and, and response to that, from one, I got a question mark. So, uh, but yeah, I you got to answer them. They're very simple. Uh, but join the group, and it's basically making sure you can be nice and not talk about politics and uh, respect other people's opinions and also... Uh, help us out and figure out who would win in a fight between Lemmy and God. That's it. That's it. Very easy. So anyway, I put a poll up to see if the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group would rather I post a review of the new G.I. Joe classified Special Missions Cobra Island Beachhead or the new Amazon exclusive G.I. Joe classified Arctic Mission Storm Shadow. Uh, Beachhead won by a landslide, so Beachhead was posted on Wednesday. Uh, this past Monday, gosh, what did I even post Monday? Was it Baroness? I think Baroness was Monday, but it might have been something else. You know what? If you want to find out, you need to go to the Needless Things YouTube channel and check out the reviews. Uh, next week, Storm Shadow will go up, and I have already set... Monday's review, which is the NECA Super Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Use. And I'd just like to say, I think toys, uh, titles, names are entirely too long now. Especially when you throw exclusive in there. Because Walmart exclusive Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze Super Shredder from NECA. That is way too many words just to describe one action figure. Uh, I, I miss the days when it would have just been Super Shredder. But, but that's okay, because it's a great figure, and you can see my review of it on the Needless Things YouTube channel. Uh, so anyway, I've been enjoying my time not being at work and hanging out with my family. And down here in the Phantom Zone, I mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, and probably last week as well, that I have shifted everything on the back wall of the Phantom Zone over and created about uh, six feet of new space. And I have moved my 25th anniversary G.I. Joe collection uh, over about six feet. And I am going to be filling in this four feet of, well, there's technically six feet of new space, but two of it's already filled. Uh, four feet of new space with vintage G.I. Joes 
and it's going to look beautiful. And my 25th anniversary collection looks better than it ever has because I got these risers, uh, and I can't remember if I've mentioned these before or not, but even if I have, it's worth mentioning again. Uh, from the container store, uh, they have these, they're white plastic risers, and they can end up being any color you want because obviously you can just spray paint the things. But they're three tiers. They expand out to, I'd say about 18 inches maybe. Let's see. Nah, maybe more than that. It might be about 20 inches. Uh, but they collapse down to maybe 12 or 14 inches. And they're fantastic. They're very sturdy, but they're light. And they hold three and three quarter inch figures very well on stands very well they hold six inch figures not on stands uh just fine they're great and they have leveled up the appearance of my collection and they're they were either eight or ten dollars a piece i think they were ten bucks a piece which if you have looked at the cost of risers uh, particularly if they're action figure oriented which these are not these are just shelf risers uh they tend to be very expensive and for ten dollars uh, it's really wild. And if you're following Needless Things podcast on Instagram or Audible Interlude podcast on Instagram, then I'll put up some pictures and you can see what these things look like. But they're they're absolutely fantastic. Uh, they are game changers for your collection. So I highly recommend these things. Just go to the container store and uh, search for, I think it's just shelf risers. Uh, and they're, like I said, they're about 10 bucks. But Container Store does coupons all the time too. I actually need to order some more of these things. And I've got a, I think it's a 25% off coupon they sent me. So $7.50 a piece, I'm ordering a bunch more because I'm using them in a lot of different places around the Phantom Zone. Uh, and I've, I need to get a set to spray paint black for my new Masters of the Universe Origins shelf, which someday I assume will have more Masters of the Universe Origins figures on them if I can ever find them. All right, so that's what's been going on here. Just relaxing and 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 doing stuff that i enjoy doing and it's great uh today on the show our friend adam topless from australia is returning and we weren't quite sure what we were going to be talking about initially we were going to do an episode just about current wrestling figures and that didn't i don't know there didn't seem to be enough there for, for me to talk about, especially since there's a whole other podcast about wrestling figures that's pretty darn good. So what we ended up doing was talking about this first year of AEW. Uh, AEW Dynamite debuted on October 2nd of 2019, so it's had about a year to get it, get its feet under it, so to speak. And in that year, I have gone from being a doubtful... Um, less than enthusiastic watcher to a full-on fan excuse me I had to get a little sip of water there uh i i now am all in so to speak on aew i don't love everything they do so maybe i'm not all in maybe that's not the right phrase for it but i watch every episode of dynamite i put my money down for the pay-per-view which I didn't totally love, but I think I understand why, and Adam and I do talk about that uh, throughout the course of the episode. But every episode of Dynamite keeps me entertained. It is now... NXT, I think, is still my favorite wrestling show, but Dynamite is the one I look forward to the most, if that makes any sense. 
like I don't necessarily feel like Dynamite is going to leave me as satisfied, but I, it's going to be more fun to watch. I, I don't know. Adam and I break it down quite a bit. Uh, this is a great episode. If you have been watching AEW, or if you're thinking about AEW uh, and are kind of doubting some of the things that you've seen, we talk a bit about how it's different, what they're doing that makes them stand out, uh, and and you know some of the stuff that we maybe aren't as crazy about as well. This is a realistic conversation. So, like, if you're a super duper AEW fanboy that can't handle uh, cr- honest critiques then maybe we're going to make you a little upset in a couple of places. But I I think if you can appreciate some genuine criticism that's hopeful for improvement, then this is definitely the episode for you. Uh, One thing I would like to point out, we talk about tag teams at one point, and I say that I'm not a big fan of when they just slap two guys together and put the titles on them, that I, I very much prefer you know, real tag teams. And I understand that sometimes the slap into two guys together works out really well. As a matter of fact, my favorite tag team of all time, America's Most Wanted, uh, James Storm and Chris Harris just got slapped together by TNA and turned out to be, like I just said, my favorite tag team ever. Uh, So, you know, it works sometimes, but I don't look at... you, You guys know what I'm talking about. Like, the Stone Cold and Triple H, putting the titles on them is is ridiculous. I, I don't like when the titles are being used as props and whatever's happening isn't going to get them over. It's one thing if you take two top-tier guys, put the titles on them, and then a real tag team beats them and gets you know gets the benefit of that like whoa they beat two top guys and now they're the champions and then they move on to elevate the entire division that's one thing but that's usually not how it works out uh so uh, but and and with aew to a certain extent i think that may be what they've done but again adam and i talk about that during the course of the episode i just wanted to i i, I didn't specify or i didn't elaborate enough on that so i wanted to make sure you guys understand that sometimes slapping two two guys together works really well uh but in most cases not and and we talk uh more about that over the course of the episode so that's intro wise that's really all i've got for you i mentioned on the social media that wwe sent out a letter sometime last week saying that all of its talent needed to immediately sever their ties with any third party uh entities like twitch or YouTube. Well, I don't know about YouTube because I think WWE has a pretty good relation, uh, working relationship with YouTube. But basically, anywhere that these guys and gals are able to make money during these difficult times, WWE apparently sent out a letter saying, "No, you're going to have to stop doing that." And that made me really angry because I think it's important for them to have options and and the ability to when they are not on the WWE time clock. Uh, you know, do other things, elevate their names more. And this, to me, goes back to things like Zack Ryder getting himself over, and that was not part of the plan, or Rusev uh, being so popular, and that was not part of the plan. I think it's about control. Now, having said that, if this turns out to be worst-case scenario and WWE wants things like Xavier Woods uh, to shut down, up, up, down, down, which seems ridiculous to me considering an action figure just came out with the up, up, down, down championship. Uh, But, you know, that's worst case. 
if that's the sort of thing they're looking for, or Alexa Bliss's newly launched podcast, uh, or all of the YouTube channels that various superstars like Asuka have, like if they want to shut that stuff down, I'm done with WWE because that's a degree of control they don't deserve to have over these people. Uh, but if it turns out to be something uh, different where they want to work more, I, I don't know. I don't know what the positive outcome of that is. Like whatever the case is, I don't care for it. But WWE may have a legitimate, reasonable motivation behind this request and if they do then you know what are you going to do but if it really is just them wanting to control the literal images of these people then i I think that's a step too far and i am not you know i'm not one to jump the gun i'm not the one to have fiery responses for every single thing that happens but these people deserve creative freedom and they deserve to be able to push themselves beyond what wwe allows on their shows week in and week out. Uh, as, spoiler alert for this week's Dynamite, as the freshly debuting Miro, formerly Rusev, said, the fake brass ring that's beyond the glass ce- glass ceiling. Uh, and I, you know, I'm a fan of WWE. However, there is no denying that they don't give opportunities beyond what they see fit to give in most cases uh so if somebody does you know get themselves over organically like miro uh it's rather than going with it more often than not they they bury it or they don't know what to do with it um and it's because they're they're a big business they're they're not a wrestling business they're an entertainment business and i I like a lot of what that means, but I also don't like some of what that means. So it's uh, something to follow, something to keep an eye on. And I, I wanted to brush up on it on before I started recording today, but it is so difficult to find specific stories on wrestling news websites because they're so littered with like kayfabe news and dumb stuff like Lana updates TikTok. Like, well, yeah, I know. If, if you're following her, you don't need this stupid website to tell me that. Like, you either follow her because you care or you don't care and you want actual news. So it, it was too difficult for me to sift through even four days worth of posts to try and get an update on this. But hopefully I'll have more information as things go along. And uh, like I said, it's it's a corporate WWE thing. And Whatever the motivation is, we'll see what the outcome ends up being. Uh, But I don't like people's creativity, and I think that's what upsets me the most about it, is I want creative people to have outlets and have the freedom to do what they want to do. And yeah, it's easy to say, well, WWE's paying them. Well, sure, but are they? And when you see things like all the releases that happened earlier this year, they are taking away these people's ability to have a backup plan and and I don't like that either. And and whatever the case, we'll we'll find out. We'll keep an eye on it. But now it is time to sit down, grab yourself a a big old beverage just like Hangman Adam Page would and enjoy the newest episode of the Needless Things podcast where we take a look at all elite wrestling.
October 2nd of uh, two, I was going to say 19, you know, 1999. It hasn't been going quite that long. October 2nd of 2019, uh, AEW premiered on TNT, uh, AEW Dynamite to be specific. And I just want to take a look back at this year of a brand new wrestling company. And here to do that with me, uh, welcome back to the show, Adam. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing this evening? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm excited. Uh, I think we, we're going to have a fun conversation because uh, over the course of the next hour-ish, we're going to talk about uh, AEW's year. We're going to talk about what they've done, what they've accomplished. Uh, specifically, I want to get into All Out, which was the pay-per-view that came on this past Saturday. Uh, well, past Saturday here. Uh, in Australia, how did how did it air over there? How did, how does that stuff work for you guys? <laughs> so funny story about the date that this was going to air is um, I'm actually in a uh, Aussie figure collecting group, and we've got a bit of a local um, like group chat going. Where honestly, we look for like WWE figures that just come out, and if we find a big stock, we just put it in the group chat. Hey guys, Target at Brookside has got you know the whole set of whatever. So turned into a little bit of community and i thought well why don't i throw an AEW pay-per-view like watch party and invited a bunch of people from there everyone said yeah this is great and then about a week before everybody canceled because we all realized that it was father's day <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> well and that's what's been funny is i follow uh because this is something interesting about the wrestling world over the past few years um and i think a lot of it is we have nxt to thank for this is there are a lot more high-profile international wrestlers than there used to be. So, which I think is a good thing because I have more awareness of things like Father's Day in America taking place like three months before Father's Day in most of the rest of the world. <laughs> talk yes. about talk about a time difference. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I see stuff like, you know, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay posting stuff about Father's Day the other day. And I was like, Father's Day? Interesting. And then I start to see it from other wrestlers from other countries. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, I, I, it's, I don't know. I think more global awareness is always a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think uh, social media is definitely taking care of that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, that's, but we did both watch all out. So we're going to discuss that a little bit, uh, what went down, uh, what we liked and what we didn't. And some of the challenges that they faced. Cause I think I have figured out, uh, uh, one of the tough roads that they had to deal with. But before we get to that, uh, let's talk a little bit about our own personal AEW fandom. Where did, where did it start for you? Um, it started for me when the rumors that Jericho, Jim Ross, and Cody Rhodes were going to start a wrestling company, <laughs> basically. <laughs> no, I, um, so I'm somebody who's watched WWE since I was 11. I've put a lot of money into it. I've gone to all the live events, bought all the, I've been all, funny enough, I've been all in on WWE for a long time. And when they started announcing that there might be a new, re a legitimate competitor coming up and there were th um, rumors that TNT might get on board and things like that I was excited for it and I was following every step of the way because 
I was well and truly ready for a change in my wrestling diet from what WWE was putting out at the time. So, yeah, I, I was on board from the moment that it was even rumored to be happening. <laughs> I, for me, um, in the early 2000s, I was... Uh, I got into Ring of Honor and TNA right around the same time, probably like 2002, and was kind of watching the, I guess, secondary tier of wrestling, for lack of a better term, in America. And the, you know, kept up with that for a few years, and then just kind of fell out. Uh, got a new job, got married, priorities changed, and I, you know, I always will follow WWE, just because they're they're the big one, you know, if. <clears throat> If you keep up with one, you keep up with them for the most part. Yeah. Uh, and kind of fell off, but then when Jericho left WWE and start having started having these matches in Japan with this guy, Kenny Omega, mm-hmm. who at the time I was listening to Lance Storm and Don Callis' podcast which I think is still available. It's called Killing the Town. It, they don't do it anymore, but it's my favorite wrestling podcast ever. It, it was that's uh, that's Cyrus, isn't it? Don yes, Ellis. yes, it is. That is Cyrus the Jackal. Um, it, it was just absolutely amazing because you had Lance Storm, very uh, practical, uh, very oriented on ring work, but but with you know a brilliant mind for. It's basically everything about the sizzle and the steak between these two guys. They they get it, um, and they uh, Don Callis, you know, was putting over Kenny Omega as the greatest wrestler working today. And so I was like, oh man, I'm kind of interested in this. And I watched, I think it was the second Omega Jericho match. I don't remember what the event was. I, I briefly had in uh, in JPW World uh, just so I could check out that pay per view, and it was really cool. But I I didn't keep up with it a whole heck of a lot after that. But I did have an awareness of the Young Bucks, and and I knew what Cody was up to, and this this whole thing with Jericho, like this all. I saw this stuff all coming together without really understanding what it could mean. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I feel like when they started to um, when they started to get more notoriety around that time that Jericho went off to to New Japan. You know, I feel like it was a very organic swell of popularity and awareness, and it was for the right reasons. and And everybody was sort of starting to find out. It was that was around the time that I started to really pay attention to these people. I'd heard the names, but I'd never really gone out of my way to see the matches. And yeah, it, it's interesting that you know, in that twelve months or couple of years before AEW was you know founded, that there was this real big swell of um, awareness and popularity of these uh, these guys that were huge megastars but had just never been in WWE. And I think, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I While WWE certainly gets a little bit of credit for, for Cody Rhodes having the name or, or the visibility that he had, and obviously Jericho has made his own way everywhere he's gone over the years, but WWE brought him to, to his peak of notoriety um i do think and again to go back to nxt i think all of these people that had worked with omega and the bucks uh now being more visible on nxt show uh because before they put nxt on usa 
it was really getting a lot of traction just as part of the network uh and and just in my circle of friends it was the show and because we liked that show we were kind of looking a little more into the pasts of these people they were bringing up yeah it's it's interesting when the, with NXT um when it was on uh, before it was on the network the way it airs in Australia and I think it was like this maybe in Canada and a couple of other places is Raw and Smackdown would air on a channel called Fox 8 on the uh, on cable TV and NXT would also air on Fox 8 just on a different day oh wow so up until it was I think it, up until it was going live on the network maybe or maybe when the network even came in um, NXT for the first time was uh, unavailable in Australia so oh, NXT man. is actually huge over here it's it's always it, we've always been able to access NXT pretty easily just from if you watch Raw and Smackdown you could easily watch NXT as well and that's interesting because they did if I'm remembering correctly they did a couple of big tours of Australia years ago they did I attended myself it was Actually, probably one of my favorite live event experiences. I got to sit ringside because the tickets were half the price of a normal show. So very cool. <laughs> I was happy. Very cool. Uh, so just that that awareness of who these people were was starting to build. And I guess when I say, you know, I, I describe myself very much as uh, sort of a mainstream fan. I, I don't, I don't dig into things. I'm not like I couldn't name more than a few people working in Japan right now. Uh, I just can't keep track of everything like I used to. So I I would say if you're starting a new wrestling company, I am the sort of fan you want to go after because like I'll digest anything that is easy for me to get. That was my whole deal with NJPW is their app was so difficult to use that it just wasn't worth my time, even though I loved the content that I saw. So what you want to do is hook those those wrestling fans who are potentially loyal fans. Like casual fans are obviously important, but who you got to hook are those guys like me and and pr- probably like you I'm guessing, although I will we'll see, but that once they've got you they're going to be loyal and they're they're not going to lose me to like football or something. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you know, and I don't know if this is the right time to get into it, but, you know, WWE started doing a lot of disservice to, toward the fans, and I think there's a lot of people out there that were, like, crying out for a good quality wrestling product that were, were probably, you know, watching NXT, I guess, and things like that, but there was a there's a big group of fans that are, are waiting for really good, solid storytelling to come back into wrestling, because it's something that WWE just hasn't been delivering for, for such a long time, so and I think that's a huge group of people, that's all the uh, lapsed fans from the Attitude Era and things like that Well, I think when uh, when Dynamite started on TNT it was in a what, what I consider to be a great time for them because WWE is very cyclical, not just uh, throughout the years, but within a year because you have basically from January to March, you have the build to WrestleMania and WrestleMania. Uh, Very exciting times. You get the Rumble. Everything between then and WrestleMania tends to be pretty action-packed and exciting. Uh, And then after WrestleMania, 
you get a little bit of a lull, but they pretty much maintain momentum up to SummerSlam. And then SummerSlam through the end of the year tends to be a pretty significant lull for WWE. Some years it's better than others. Uh, sometimes we get a lot of effort put into Survivor Series. Uh, last decade, probably not so much. But um, Although i got to give credit last year's Survivor Series where the three-way uh, brand war. Uh, wasn't that last year? <clears throat> Uh, yeah, that was when they brought NXT into yes. it. And, and it's one of those things where I watched that and I thought, this is a great idea. Why didn't we do this five years ago? Right, right. <laughs> this is an obvious one. Like, yeah. But uh, that, you know, that one was good. But overall, Survivor Series just, just isn't what it used to be. Uh, so it was the right, you know, not just era-wise in that WWE is under a lot of fire right now and, and does seem... Somewhat, and look, I'm not going to sit here and shit on WWE this whole episode. I, I still love WWE. I still think there's a lot of great stuff in their programming, but yeah. it is creatively very homogenous. You, a lot of the same stories, you see the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, a lot of the matches, a lot of the talent are so similar that you could kind of just swap them in and out, which I think is to an extent by design. I, it is. I, I actually have a, a theory on that. It basically is... Uh, remember how WWE was very resistant to CM Punk when he started to organically get over? Oh, absolutely. Well, and it's it's happened with lots of, of stars. Well, Zack Ryder is another one that, you know, yeah. obviously he didn't achieve the heights of Punk, but he got over mm -hmm. on his own. Yeah, but when, when they finally did bite the bullet and sort of get behind Punk, they... You know, there's always that kind of argument about was he even truly the top guy, but they would have paid him a ton, they would have put a ton of money into promoting him as well, and then he decided to leave because he didn't need it. So now WWE had that moment where they're like, ah, we've been creating this huge character for the last two years, and now the guy's just walked out. Yeah. And I think that's why they're apprehensive to allow anybody to really get big on their own because it puts um, leverage in the wrestler's corner and that sounds kind of evil um, you know corporation but I would not be surprised at all if, if that's one of the things that changed how they look at who they decide to push well that makes a lot of sense because another you know along those lines when you look back at the successes of like Hulk Hogan or The Rock like those guys got huge and then left mm -hmm. And the company was, well, and Stone Cold, the company was built around those guys. And when they left, there was a vacuum at the top of the roster for a long time. And I think they are very hesitant to run with people now. You know, we've seen what John Cena and Roman Reigns, who are clearly identifiable top guys in the past 15 years. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, you could sprinkle in there like, you know, Punk and Brian or something, but they were very brief stints as well. But, you know, that's, uh, and yeah, that's, again, it was why WWE lost so much faith with the fans and why AEW was so welcome, I think, is because everybody's like, oh, thank God, now I can finally see a good mid-card feud or a good, <laughs> you know, something that I can actually get into. Well, and that's what, and, and I hate to, compare AEW to WCW too terribly much 
But they do invite those comparisons. But my favorite era of wrestling from the time that I've been watching is the the 96 to 99 WCW. And it's for exactly what you just said. And, and WWF was the same way at the time. Uh, those mid-card feuds, those characters who weren't the main eventers, their stories got just as much attention as the main event stories like you could kind of tune in at any point during the show and there was something engaging going on that felt like it mattered to these characters yeah and i think that's something that even lucha underground did fantastically as well which it was probably more due to time constraints but when i would watch you lucha underground every week you don't know what the main event was going to be it wasn't always prince puma versus johnny mundo in some kind of match with other people it was i mean there were main there was a whole episode of that show that was just pentagon against the triad of uh like japanese female wrestlers in like a gauntlet match like i'm i'm all in when they when wrestling companies spend significant amounts of time to get something over that isn't already the focal point of what they're trying to do yes and that's what aw does really well yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and before we get too deep into how AEW does that, let's go back to the beginning there and uh, mm. talk a little bit about Dynamite and when it hit and yeah. what our impressions were at first. Because I'll, I'll tell you right now, for me, I was very excited. I was dubious because, my gosh, really, you're starting a whole new wrestling company that, uh, you know, the word competition is funny. When I, when I say compete with WWE, I don't mean eventually overtake and destroy WWE. I mean yeah. be a financially and entertainment-wise viable alternative to WWE programming. Yes. Uh, and even that seemed like a really wild concept to me. But I wanted it to work because I have missed competing wrestling for 20 years now, just like everybody else has. Yeah, and I think the uh, alternatives that have come up since WCW went out of business, you know, TNA's had ebbs and flows, you know, Ring of Honor has had, again, ebbs and flows, but none of them have ever really felt like this internationally available, like, kind of worldwide product that could, you know, genuinely have some sort of a, a swell of momentum against, you know, the, the, the corporate giant, and... I, there was something about when AEW came out, it seemed like there was a lot of learning from mistakes. Yes. They they had a great um, uh, person backing it with, with Tony Khan. They had, you know, Cody Rhodes has obviously got wrestling in his blood. He's lived it since he was a kid. Chris Jericho has done a lot more ahead of his time stuff than anybody else probably has for the last, you know, 10 years or so. And Jim Ross as well, which I... I think Jim Ross really wants to stick it up WWE's ass, so... It seems like he does, right? Oh, 100%. And sometimes (laughs) it gets a little bit like, oh, come on, JR, you don't have to be like that. But other times I hear what he says, and I'm like, yeah, good, I'm glad somebody's finally speaking up and saying that this is what happened and that it was completely unnecessary. Yeah, it's it's been... Well, they, they had that core that was untested but in theory seemed very, very solid. The The financial backer is there. The guy with the mind for the business is there. The guy who in Jericho who has literally done it all is yeah. there. Um, yeah. It, it really, 
you know, in hindsight, it does seem like a formula that can't fail. But at the time, it seemed like, wow, these guys may be overreaching a little bit. But as it turns out here a year later, uh, they're they're not. And, and that's why well, that's why I, th- I think that the the AEW has got the faith of the fans is from the moment that they announced what they were going to do, they've really followed through on all promises. Like it's they've legitimately become like they they got the TV deal. They've been having more interesting matches. They've added they've they've stuck to a degree to the um you know the the ranking system and stuff like that. Like they've done a lot that the fans are grateful and i think the fans are willing to give them even if they do something that's not the best the fans are happy to say okay well that's one thing out of 10 on this show that i didn't really like the other nine things were all awesome that i really got into so you know they've 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 followed through on their promises and that's what wwe doesn't seem to do which you know when you when you've got a new company that's got a track record of not having these epic you know failures that they need to like cover and and move on from you know you a lot of people are more inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt on you know medium things as well well and that's a a very important thing there one that when i watch an aid when i sit down and watch two hours of dynamite i don't love everything that i see and not everything in front of me is wrestling the way that i want it however 90 percent of it is entertaining even when I'm watching a match that isn't completely wrestling the way I like, because some of, for, for me, for my personal taste, and I want to make it clear here for the listeners, I am a wrestling fan. I am not a wrestling expert. Uh, I, I just know what I like, and I've liked stuff the way I like it for a very long time now. So I'm not saying anything is wrong. I'm just talking about my personal taste. Um <clears throat> some of their tag matches they're they're like too much there's too much like the, some of the double team moves i see i'm like wow that was really amazing and then i'm like yeah but it doesn't look like they're fighting at all anymore but it's entertaining it's like wow i don't care for yeah. the way they did that but it impresses the shit out of me that they did that yeah and to me it, it that's a way of um expanding to a wider audience because for sure you know for example i could be sitting there watching aew and there's a, a very minor comment that jim ross makes that is very poignant to me or or an inside joke that makes me laugh and makes me enjoy it meanwhile i've got the missus walking around behind me as ray phoenix does a double somersault you know canadian destroyer and she stops and looks and goes whoa what was going on there that was pretty crazy so it's it i, I get the the high spots maybe they're a bit overused but you know it's it's the thing that i think everybody on that roster basically grew up on at this point so yes. it feels like it yes. might just be the next step it is and it absolutely is and that's that's i have a very similar experience um my wife hasn't watched wrestling with me in in years aside from the occasional like with nxt a little bit she started to sit down and watch again uh but aew like she actually makes a point of she will sit down and watch the show and something like abaddon will catch her eye Uh, although i gotta say abaddon probably catches everybody's eye Abaddon needs to catch her own eye before it falls out of her head. (laughs) She is awesome, and I hope they do everything they can to protect that gimmick because she's great. Um, 
but like stuff like that there's there is something like you said the high spots are there and when they're not doing high spots they're doing really solid exciting wrestling so like if if you it's like the old thing it's a three ring circus if you don't like the bears in the first ring well look the clowns are in the second ring oh and look the strongman's in the third ring like it really is like that where they they're mixing things up so successfully and as we have seen AEW is not afraid to course correct when something doesn't seem to be working and I think that's a very important distinction between them and, and WWE yeah, 100%. I, I think you might be referring to Britt Baker there with that um, <laughs> analogy. <laughs> and it makes sense. It does make sense. They were trying to make her be the, the, the female John Cena for AEW. The fans weren't having it. They changed her heel. Now she's amazing. And by the way, that uh, I don't know when you want to do the review of uh, All Out, but the tooth and nail match... I didn't know that was going to be in a dentist office. I somehow <laughs> missed that fact. I didn't know. I'm like, tooth and nail match? Well, I don't even know what that is. I All right, well, let's see, kind of thing. Yeah, that took me by surprise, too. But we'll we'll get to that in a minute. I want to I want to uh, cover Dynamite just a little bit more before we get to All Out. Um, yeah. And talk about well, some of the personalities. Like, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, just because we were talking about the start of AEW, uh, I think the fair, uh, wrestling fans will definitely empathize with this. Around the month that AEW Dynamite debuted on TV, what was happening in WWE was we got The Fiend kicking out of 19 curb stomps Oof. and then getting DQ'd in a Hell in a Cell for using a, a mallet. And then we had The Fiend lose to Goldberg in 30 seconds within a month after that. So WWE could not have had worse timing to do those things because both of those individual matches, not that I'm like some, you know, super mark for The Fiend or anything like that, but both of those matches were huge, huge mistakes to the the way that they, they played them out. And while you've got these absolute, historic level train wrecks having happening over in wwe you've got AEW with a whole fresh canvas new interesting people getting people over having tournaments and good matches and people you haven't seen for a long time and it was a I, I, if put this way i don't know if dynamite would have been as successful as it was if wwe wasn't shitting the bed completely um at the exact same time it's uncanny how one side was coming up and the other side was like spiraling creatively at the time. I'm going to agree with you there. Um, I, we actually went to uh, Starcade, which was a live event. They, they showed some of it on the network, but not all of it, but they held it here in, uh, in Atlanta. And I witnessed the, and this is including independent shows that I've been to. This is including shows that I've, hosted where they had invisible man matches could you not uh really at the stockade live event the, the worst match i've ever seen in my life live at starcade <laughs> worse than an invisible man match uh it was the fiend versus braun Strowman in a cage and they kind of halfway through each other around for maybe three or four minutes and then the fiend threw Strowman into the side of the cage Strowman fell down and the fiend walked out of the cage and that was it 
<laughs> I don't know. All we could figure out was that they must have run out of time or something. I, I, I still am baffled by... Did that air on the network? That I match, don't was think that they... I don't think they aired that, or if they did, they cut it in such a way that it looked completely different from what we saw. Uh, I don't remember exactly, but it, if, if any of the listeners want to go check it out, it's Starcade 2019. I believe it's still on the network. And uh, yeah. it was, uh, well, and also the opening match was Seth Rollins versus Eric Rowan. And th- they just shit the bed, too, which shocked me. But wow. I, I don't know why Rollins was opening that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, just not not exactly enhancing the legacy of Starcade. I believe the main event was Kevin Owens interviewing Ric Flair. <laughs> okay. It was, what a it was, it was a wreck. What was that? Did Ric Flair end up bleeding or not? No, they just they literally just sat there and did an interview. Okay, I, I feel like it's not a Ric Flair appearance unless his hair is pink with smeared blood through it. So it was uh, it was unbelievable. So you're right. WWE was definitely in, in a bad bad place when Dynamite launched. Uh, and the, the sorry, I was going to say from the perspective over here, we obviously don't get. TNT as a network so I watch Dynamite on the Fight TV app and for any international viewers if you can't get access to TNT I don't know if Americans can access it from where they are because it actually airs on television where you are but the Fight app is amazing we get to hear the craziest things between (laughs) commercial breaks coming from Jim Ross on commentary (laughs) oh wow it's a whole different thing. Like, I if somebody was like reviewing Dynamite, I would say to them, I don't know if you can use like a, a VPN or something, or a, a, what do they call it, a, a um, IP bouncer. Thing yeah, to I know what you're talking about. Fight TV. Yeah, uh, it's, we we were watching last week, and um, was it Joey Janela was in the ring um, cutting a promo during the commercial break on um, whoever he was facing. I think it was John Moxley, and. He's in there, he's strutting around the ring, like, you know, playing to the, the fans that were, were there. And you just hear Jim Ross say into the commentary thing, man, Janela should be a heel. He walks like a heel. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Oh, my gosh. It doesn't happen all the time, but every now and then something sneaks through because they think they're at commercial and not on Fight TV at the time, and it's it's fantastic. Oh, but on, And on top of that, it's a super reliable, easy-to-use, very cheap um, subscription I think it cost me like a dollar a week to watch AW. Oh, that's great! Yeah, I need I'm, I need to look into that because we're I'm considering dropping our YouTube TV right now. We, we don't have cable at all; we just stream everything. But I mm. I would have to have a way to watch Dynamite if I did that. And I've I've used Fight for pay per views before. I used it to watch the last Impact pay per view, um, and uh, the the AEW. Oh gosh, what was the one before this one? I don't know, but anyway, uh, yeah, Fight is is a great app. It's fantastic. Yeah, so so the good thing about that is I can also watch it live if I'm home at ten o'clock on a Thursday morning, and um, and if not, I can watch it on demand straight away. So as far as it being accessible to me over here, it's a lot more accessible than WWE is because WWE is just on cable tv i need to have a cable tv subscription if i want to watch it and it's a lot more expensive than five bucks a month so yeah 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 so i 
I like I said, I was excited. I, I wanted to see what Dynamite was going to offer. Uh, I tuned into the first episode, and then shortly after that, I think is when we actually did drop cable. So for a little while, I didn't have a way to watch Dynamite, and then we picked up a streaming service that carried it. And I checked back in for a couple weeks in a row, and I, it it at the time I would have told you it wasn't my cup of tea. Right. Uh, it was, it just seemed, I don't know, I just, I can't put my finger on why it didn't click for me, but it didn't. But then, uh, a few months ago, I decided it was time to check it out again. I think it was right around the time Brody Lee showed up. Yep. <clears throat> I, I decided, you know what, there's so many people there I like, uh, I, I really want this thing to work i want it to be great let me let me check back in and i think at that point we knew the figures were coming as well which was a huge deal yeah so because i mean that's one of the things and this goes back to wwe it's kind of hard to get behind things now because you don't know how long they're going to last and how well they're going to be treated uh you know with wwe it's hard to get behind any one talent because you never know when they're just going to disappear off tv uh and with aew it it didn't seem too important to me to get invested because i just wasn't sure what the permanence was going to be but then tnt signed them to i think the three-year extension they got the action figure deal uh things were clicking into place where it really seemed like man this is serious i want to be part of this again i want to i want to get back into it and the whatever the first one I I tuned in on, it did click for me that time, and I saw the value. I saw the excitement. I I, I just I got it. I got it. And since yeah. then, I've been watching every single week. Uh, this past weekend, I dropped fifty freaking dollars on their pay per view because I had to see it. I, like I'm I'm engaged and I'm invested because, like I said. I don't love everything I see, but everything I see entertains me anytime yeah, I'm watching. I find when I go into their pay-per-views, I usually go in really, really excited for maybe three or f- sometimes four matches. But all the other matches that are on the show, you know, usually with the exception of maybe one, like, maybe one a show, I'm still like, oh, great, yeah, okay, yeah, Scorpio Sky is going to have a match against such and such. Okay, this should be good. Like, there's no bathroom break matches. Not no bathroom break matches. And, uh, you know, I think uh, <laughs> you might have something to say about that that topic <laughs> there. But, um, you know, they're not without flaws, but it's it's very rarely a show that something comes on and it's an immediate kind of eye roll, like, oh, okay, all right, well, now I should probably go and get my washing out of the machine or, like, <laughs> go and do something and come back. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sitting here scrolling through the roster. Um, I've got it pulled up on alleliterestling.com, and I can't believe the number of people I'm looking at that I'm like, man, I I love this guy. Like, I had no idea who Darby Allen was, and now he's one of my favorite wrestlers. Like, he's one of the guys who I will stop whatever I'm doing and watch when I hear that music, and I love that his theme music is this, like, sort of goth emo slow slow yeah it, grungy kind yeah, of thing <laughs> it feels right they didn't give him some generic like metal or punk song 
Like, it's something different and interesting. And when he comes to the ring, it commands your attention. Uh, yes. They've got Cole. That they, signed, they just signed Eddie Kingston, who is one of the best talkers in the history of the business. Um, Agreed. I just, man, I, I, Jungle, Lucha Express, I love Lucha Express. Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, who's got to have a figure coming soon. Um, That's it. I, I and just, the interesting thing is, I, I feel like a lot of these guys are very hungry um, to uh, perform in the business. That This is their opportunity. Like, it, it, I feel like it would be different if the, the day one roster was like David Otunga and Michael Tarver and, right, you know, right. Wade Barrett. And, you know, just all these guys that have had their chance and now they're just kind of, you know, looking to further their career. Like, you, you've got these young guys that are looking to, like, make their career and they're busting their ass on it as well. It's And it's noticeable. You can tell, like, the effort and the excitement that these guys put into it um, compared to the competitors, you know, there's no real comparison on who who seems to be more passionate about what they're doing. And, and that translates. That translates big time. They... Uh guys like Sammy Guevara and, and Adam Page, when you see them, you you see the fire in their eyes, like, for what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and then there's 100%. Orange Cassidy, who I hated at first. I was, <laughs> I was full cornet on that guy at first. But then this feud that he's had with the Inner Circle and with Jericho... Um, the the and and also his relationship with the best friends has gotten him over a lot because I I already liked um, Trent and Chuck like I was already a fan of those guys so yeah. but now again it just took a while for it to click with me for that gimmick for me to get it you know yeah it's it's weird I'm not sure what was going on in the world at the time but. My and this this exact same thing happened with me and Walter as well before he showed up in NXT. Mm. But I basically got on the Orange Cassidy train about two weeks before they announced that he was signing with AEW. Oh wow! I don't know how this happened. Because <laughs> it would have just randomly popped up in my uh, in my YouTube feed, I would imagine. So maybe he was just a buzzword and was trending, and things just kind of suggested it, but. I watched uh, three or four of his indie matches on YouTube with my uh, with the missus, and she was an instant super crazy fan. She he is her boy as far as she's concerned. Everything he does, she's one hundred percent on board with. She calls it, she thinks he's like a sloth, which apparently is an adorable thing to her. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Orange Cassidy's been a big deal at our house from just uh, for, for a couple of weeks before he actually got signed. So another one that when the when the um, the signing was announced, it was like screenshot, sent it to the missus. Oh my god, can you see, see what's happening here? <laughs> so yeah, no, I'm I'm 100 on board with that. But I also, you know, not that some people take wrestling too seriously. I love comedy of any kind. So comedy wrestling i'm i'm 100 as long as it's not mocking the whole concept of wrestling too much which i guess is exactly what orange cassidy is doing <laughs> but it's done in a way that's uh, undeniable so it's uh it, it's okay for me well and watching him work you would have to be a fool to not recognize the skill it takes for him to do what he does yeah he's still working the crowd yes. as much as who's going a thousand miles an hour yeah 100 percent. absolutely 
And well, and I think as far as the comedy wrestling goes, it's for me it's been a matter of adjusting to it being mixed in a little more with so-called serious stuff. Yeah. Because I love stuff like Kaiju Big Battle or Chikara or, you know, whatever. But I don't know. There's AEW has its own tone where those worlds can almost or can coexist with more straightforward wrestling like well, supposedly, in theory, what WWE does. I mean, obviously, they have ridiculous stuff going on over there, too. But I think, in general, it's it's more, you know, a little more straightforward than uh, some of the more exotic promotions, I guess. Yeah, and, and the, I guess what AEW does that really helps that is they treat their comedy angles or their comedy characters or whatever, they treat them seriously. They treat them like... Yes. It, it's a it's not some sort of tongue-in-cheek like oh look at this guy like it's they actually really like sincerely talk about it like the best friends gimmick like i'd never i hadn't seen much of um chuck and trent before aew and that's a really weird gimmick to try and get <laughs> yes, over on, it like, is like, <laughs> that could very easily go one way or the other like i feel like in in wwe's hands like they would be like the b team but worse but you put them in AEW, and you've got Trent hitting spears on the outside and chuck throwing his weight around and they're winning matches and they're having these epic battles there's no reason why comedy wrestlers like that can't have competitive matches and be you know a threat to championships and things like that and that's something that, to me, has always been obvious, but for such a long time, comedy wrestlers have been treated as just comedy wrestlers and then exist in, like, a bit of a bubble where they can't really, you know, ever break out of that that niche. But AEW hasn't even created that bubble or set that niche to start with. They are allowing people to be hilarious and goofy and, you know, have a fun time, but then they're allowing them to kick people's asses as well. Yeah, and they're... It's very interesting if you had told me that we would be getting a mix of Lucha Underground, of WWE, of Chikara. I, I would I would have been like, yeah, I would have been like, it's not going to work, but it does. They're, well, they're making it work. It, it's a work in progress, but it is working. So, what about it? What is it about AEW that you've struggled with? Uh, so far, what what's sort of been the down point or the um, the criticisms that you have so far? Honestly, the biggest issue that I've got, and I, you know, I don't want to dwell on it too much because they're working on it. You can tell they're trying different things, but I have not seen a lot from their women's division that I've enjoyed. Mm. Uh, Abaddon's awesome, great, great gimmick. Uh, ring work is what it needs to be for that kind of character but I just don't feel like they have a leader in the women's division that can can keep them competitive in that way yeah uh, I I agree I think I guess what Britt Baker is maybe the not the, the division needs a face but as far as like the you know, the highest prospect, I feel like maybe Britt Baker is up there. I think she's, and the, she's she, the most over, for sure. Mm, 
So yeah, because I'm trying to think now who would really be the locker room leader for the women. Like they, and I, I but I'm also trying to go back to remembering what the women's roster was like before COVID happened. Yeah, because they and- had um, what's her name, Chris Statlander was in there as well. Um, I think there's a couple of other people that have, we haven't seen since the uh, since all the lockdowns and everything started happening and travel restrictions. So. I yeah I'm I'm interested to see but you're right they're not exactly setting the world on fire with the women's division and the the matches that they're having even with Thunder Rosa I I don't lie I skipped through most of that match because again I've I've watched a handful of her matches and nothing really jumps out at me as really grabbing me and and pulling me in. Well, and they had uh, you know Wednesday night they had this exhibition match between Thunder Rosa and. Um, so, oh gosh, her name just fell right out of my head. Um, Penelope Ford, or no, 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 uh, from Straight Edge Society. Ah, uh, oh, yes, Serena, Serena Deeb. Yes, yes, and it was probably the best women's match I've seen in AEW because Thunder Rosa is excellent. Serena Deeb, obviously, at this point, is is a is a well seasoned veteran uh, that mm. they they would be very smart to to sign. Um, mm. Awesome match. So- that we were engaged in the whole time. And I, I know I was already a fan of Thunder Rosa because I was very big into, uh, the NWA YouTube show while it lasted. Um, so I've got that one stockpiled ready to watch, by the way, (laughs) uh, it, man, it's so much fun. It's so good. Uh, and it, and it goes down easy. It's an hour. So it's, you know, they, they jump around a lot. It's a very different experience. If you're watching a show, but it, yeah. it definitely is, is worth your time. Yeah, but I, I didn't. I think I watched that up until Thunder Rosa debuted, and then I just kind of fell off of it. So, um, yeah. So, it, it, do you think she's somebody who could be? I don't know what her career stat, what her how old she is, and things like that. But is she a locker room leader, or I don't know? Is there something be... else that you think in that role? I think she's somebody that if the, now now I mean she's still she holds the NWA Women's Championship she still technically works for Billy Corgan, uh, mm. but I do think she's somebody that AEW could build their division around if if things worked out right. Uh, mm. But they've also got Eva Lise and uh, oh gosh I can't remember her name either from uh, Lucha Underground. She's, oh, they're not um, officially part of the roster. They've just been working shows. Yeah, I. Yeah, they won the women's tag team tournament, I believe. Yes, it was that's correct. And, oh, I can't remember. It's another um, like Spanishy sounding name. But yeah, I wasn't as familiar with her. <clears throat> yeah, it's um, yeah. They they. I, I'm wondering if they need some. Maybe need a female veteran there to not necessarily you know win belts and and win matches and be all over TV, but just somebody there who can help them you know get, help the ladies really really harness what they can do and start you know having some really memorable matches and things like that I'm wondering if if it's just a case of we've got these fantastic athletes but there's something missing from the um you know pomp and circumstance side of their character they need to there needs to be more to get into with that being said big swole i've been really impressed with the last couple of weeks well what's She's funny been- is I, the most I've seen out of aside because she's she's been really great doing the the segments and stuff and like attacking Britt Baker, but I've seen very little of her actually wrestling, and to mm. me, 
from just from what I've seen of the women's division, they don't have enough. I'm trying to think of the nicest way I can put this. Enough truly seasoned, experienced athletes to consistently yes. put on good matches. Because yeah, I, in general, if you have one individual who's good in the ring, the other one is not as seasoned, is the nice way that I'm going to say it. So you get yeah. a match that, you know, you have one person who clearly has the timing, has the aggression, has the skill, and then another person who, honestly, to me, looks like they're learning how to wrestle on TV in front of the world. Yeah, yeah, it's... Yeah, you're right. There's yeah, they need a, a bit of a more of a consistent thing. I'm I'm hoping that once all lock, the travel restrictions are um, finished, that we're going to see not just some of the uh, the better female wrestlers that they've had in the past come back, but on top of that, get some new new talent in there as well. I'd love to see um, uh, what's her name, Pirate Princess Kyrie Sane. I'd like to see her um, show up in AEW just because I really enjoy her matches and uh, anything with her attached to it I think is going to have a bit of a uh, boost in popularity and importance just because of who she is and how good people know she is yeah I, I would love to see that and I think that's what they need is is some names uh, like I said just just seasoned veterans mm. uh, and, and, and of course it's it's something Nyla Rose as well. yes Nyla Rose uh, you you've got to have that sort of big attraction, you know, they had Awesome Kong, but she's mostly an actor now. Uh, I do think she's somebody that would be good to have in the locker room. Uh, I think she's got a lot of good insight, probably, because, she, I mean, she's been in the business for a long time now. Uh, but I you've got Nyla Rose, who is that sort of, that that mountain, that prop that people can bounce off of. They've just got to figure out how to use her right. Yeah, I, I think um, Awesome Kong also has... I don't know if it's a new injury, but I think she her body is just very, um, very beat up. Or I could yeah. be getting it mixed up with the Welfare Queen. I'm not going <laughs> to... <laughs> Which, for the listeners, if you have not watched Glow on Netflix, you're out of your oh, mind. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> please watch Glow before you reply to that comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kong is... Uh, she. It's unbelievable, because I saw her when she debuted in TNA and was just this monster and now seeing her as this absolutely amazing actor is so cool uh, it, it's really uh, i love it i you know what i would i would pay to see is awesome kong to return but with her original manager from tna which i guess you could really just put anybody underneath that that costume it was um i can't remember her name but she had like the uh, uh like the the coverall like um I don't even know what the word is. I can't even remember the word. Like the Middle Eastern kind of um, clothing. Oh my gosh, I had forgotten all about that. And yeah, you yeah, can absolutely was... throw anybody under that. I can't remember what the... I don't even know if they expanded on that character a whole lot. It, I think it was somebody that was already on the roster. Oh, and for they just sure, for sure. The two characters, they were like, oh, you can also be this like masked character over here, as yeah. was the style at the time with TNA, of course. Yeah, <laughs> it was It was probably like, you know, Mickey James or something. Or, excuse me, Alexis Lurie at the time. Yeah, but I, I think that's something that um, visually, if Awesome Kong came out, even just for like one match and she had that original manager character with her, I think people would, would pop for that. I think that would be a good good way but again it's not a long-term solution so well i think with uh, to go back to abaddon for a second 
if if it was mm. if I was booking that show, Abaddon would be brought out to the ring in like a crate, and like somebody would wheel her out and tip the crate over, and she would just run out. Did you did you watch Game of Thrones at all? Yeah. Did you did you stick with it the whole <laughs> the, way through? The White, so, the White Walker that that came out of the crate when they had the big meeting to prove to Cersei that the White Walkers were a real thing. Yes. That would be Abaddon's entrance. <laughs> I, I would love it if the guy who wheels her out then flees to the back oh, as no, soon as he for like. Sure. Yeah. 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 He just runs away. It's it's some indie guy that they've got in like a a little you know suit or whatever a protective suit and he just tips it over and runs backstage for sure. I would love that. I think that'd be great for that character. And so one thing I just want to quickly point out: this conversation we've been talking for however long it is. We've been have we've been gushing over AEW, but we have barely even spoken about any of their main event talent. I know. It, well, I think it's because like, it's, it's so much. Yeah, you don't even really need to. Obviously, Jericho is going to be doing his thing, and his thing now is very different than anything else that's ever been. And I, I do want to clarify something. I have sure. I have online in, in various uh, formats spoken about how. Uh, beefy Jericho is right now. I want to make it absolutely clear that this is a guy who has changed his image so many times in the decades that he's been working that looks how he... He's a professional athlete. He looks the way he looks because that's how he wants to look. And I think it's a choice to go with that character. Uh, So I'm not... When I talk about him being a little tubby... That's not, it's it's the same way if I called King Kong Bundy fat. I'm not denigrating the guy, it's his freaking gimmick. Like, yeah, so, yeah he's a king up there now. He's a, uh, and, and the funny thing is, I don't know if he's doing this on purpose, but I feel like his hair lately looks absolutely horrid. <laughs> like, it looks so bad. I, and I'm wondering if that's a part, all a part of the thing. He's like, yeah, I'm going to try and not make myself look like a conventional anything. I'm just going to go with this really uh, uh, I don't know this character that's really not disheveled or anything like that but that truly doesn't care well I think he's trying to look like 80s mid 80s Ozzy Osbourne (laughs) I really think when the the top of the heap rock star days are over he's wearing the spandex out onto the stage with his gut hanging over the top his hair's all jacked up like I really do think that's what he's going for is like the veteran rocker who's still showing up, but I, I don't know. I, I think it's all part of the gimmick. Look, Jericho's a smart guy, and he's made a lot of money. There's nothing he's doing by accident. You know what I mean? Yeah, and but he's also a 50-year-old man with a lot of stuff going on. So uh, Yeah, <laughs> but he's, he's maintained this long. I, I think this is all the gimmick. But uh, speaking of gimmicks... Uh, I want to talk a little bit. We're not going to spend too much time on it because we've almost already hit an hour here, and we've still got to talk about uh, the fact that this barely a year old company. I guess they're older. Technically, the company itself is more than a year old, but they've already got action figures on the shelf, which is wild. And we're going to talk about those figures a little bit. Um, but just real quick, I want to talk about All Out and. You had already mentioned the tooth and nail match that they opened with. Yes. 
I didn't know that was going to be that kind of match either, and I think it was the best choice because it was something very different. It caught my attention. I, I didn't necessarily love it, but again, I was entertained with it and I had fun with it. Yeah, I, I think that match, even though um, Big Swole got the win, I think that match was obviously a lot more to develop more of a, a character for Britt Baker. Um, they've they've kind of gone the heel route, but they've made her like all, a little bit of a comedy heel in a way, like yes. kind of Kurt Angle heel in the like you know early 2000s. Like she's a threat, but she also has these ridiculous views of herself, uh, the role model thing, and and doing all this kind of biz. So. I think it was really a way to get more, more get Britt Baker over even more by not even having her win the match. And hey, I I think it worked because the the evil dentist thing and she's stalking her through the dentist office. That was that's original, and I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was, it was and and it really, I mean, it got them both over because Big Swole got the win, but Britt Baker got all the character work. Yeah, and, and, and the syringe in the leg. I feel like we would be remiss oh, for not mentioning that. Yeah, that was brutal. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh, look. We got but a tag I, match. I, I'd love that match. We got a tag match with the Bucks versus Jurassic Express. That was <laughs> I. I have not been a fan of the Young Bucks until recently. Uh, I that whole. 50 finishers, 20 super kicks, so much flippy yeah. floppy. It's, it's just not my preferred type of wrestling, and there's nothing wrong with it. Many, many people love it, and as you said, it seems to be at least a portion of the future of the business, but lately the Bucks have developed, uh, particularly over the last few weeks since all the problems have been going on with Adam Page, uh, they have gotten a little meaner and a little grittier and they have changed their style to reflect that, and I've really been enjoying their work, and it's made me realize that two guys who can change what they do to that subtle a degree truly are as good as people say they are. Yeah, and I, I think the reason that they they had the storyline where they're trying to show more edge and show a little bit more um, you know ferocity that is i i have a weird feeling that they're trying to someone's going to turn heel within the elite and i think AEW is deliberately putting red herrings out there for every single member of that group yes to sort of build to whoever it is that's going to turn because at this point it would make sense for the young bucks to turn it would make sense for kenny to turn it would make sense for hangman to turn at this point, just by process of elimination, it would always make sense for Cody to turn on them just because yeah. he's the only one who's not acting like a crazy man. So, Well, well but uh, also but, he, yeah. was, he was acting crazy because he's going out there and having these brutal matches every single week yeah. for that title, and then he just got killed probably because he's so exhausted. Uh, Jim Ross has been subtly telling this going back to the word subtle but there's it's weird for as over the top and wacky as some stuff in AEW is a lot of their storytelling is very low key and takes its time and Jim Ross has been laying a foundation for week after week Cody keeps coming out there accepting these challenges from just anybody it's got to take its toll like he's been dropping things like that and I feel like it's been building to something and he just got killed by Brody Lee, wasn't even on their big pay-per-view. They only have four a year. 
he wasn't even on the pay-per-view. Like, I'm very interested to see Wednesday night where they go with this or if they maybe put it off a little longer because I'll tell you, there's some good slow burn stuff going on here. Like you said, with the Elite, they clearly have a plan. Yeah, and and with the the Bucks versus Jurassic Express, I love Jurassic Express. I don't want to um, fail to give them uh, oh, praise sure. as well. They, I'm 100% on board with Jungle Boy and and Luchasaurus and Marco at times as well. I guess little Marco. He's um, well. He's great when he's just being a little prop. Exactly. Yeah he he has his uh, he has a use, and if they stick to that use, then he's going to be a, probably a, a very valuable member of the roster when it comes to getting sympathy for um, or getting heat on the on the villains. But you know that match was fantastic, and it's all just to build this this young bucks turn or you know, a red herring for a Young Bucks turn, just to see how that all goes. But no, I love that match. Uh, next up, we had the Casino Battle Royal, which was needlessly confusing to me as far as the rules, but it didn't matter because basically it was still just a Battle Royal. Yeah, I, I'm down with the Casino Battle Royal. I like the idea of it's a deck of cards and everybody pulls a suit and there's a Joker card and I'm... I, I'm all on board for the uh, for the the concept of bringing five people in all at once. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I loved it. Yeah, it was what like it, it, it is a cool idea, and I like that they theme things in that way. Uh, the I have to say though, I felt so bad for I, I've liked Matt Seidel for yeah. a long, long time, and for him to blow his first spot in AEW was yeah. I, Tragic. I don't know if you noticed. I don't know if you noticed it, but after he uh, after he missed the the move, um, I, I think it's Kazarian comes up like the old veteran Kazarian. He comes up and like picks him up off the ground. Yes. And he's like, Come yes, on, like let's, let's let's get you going again. Yeah, he like he was like hanging on to him, throwing really weak punches while clearly talking to him. Like, but it was great because it totally covered and it gave the opportunity, you know, for Seidel mm. to get back on his feet and have a great run for the rest of the match. Yes, I, and I always enjoyed Evan Bourne's work in WWE or whatever it was at the time, and um, I'm, I hope Matt Seidel gets to stick around. And I'm, pr- I'm positive that nobody is going to look at that and say, "Well, this guy's clearly dangerous." No, cause, no, that you know, he's happens. got too much of a resume. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you remember, um, in one of Punk's earliest main roster matches, uh, he went up for that springboard clothesline, and the same thing happened. There was sweat on the rope, and he just went down like a ton of bricks. Uh, yeah, he's he's like to break his neck though. To be honest, like yeah. that's not the kind of move you want to slip on. <laughs> no, no, not at all. But yeah, it, did, it didn't seem to hurt Punk's career too terribly much. So hopefully, Seidel will be able to recover just fine. Nobody's going to care. It was, it was clearly an unfortunate circumstance, and not like him being sloppy or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it was a. I thought it was a, a good match. Um, Darby Allen took a hell of a bump in the body bag. Dude, oh that was God. scary. Any bump where you can't see what's happening is terrifying. But the thing is, like, I've known people that skateboard, and there are the, there are these weird people out there that just wipe out twenty four hours a day, and they just get up and like nothing happened. Like, there's this weird breed of human that yeah. just doesn't break when those things happen like i feel like jeff hardy has got a bit of that dna in him like it's it's a weird thing but um i like darby and i i'm i'm digging the fact they've got ricky starks in a feud with him at the moment that was uh ricky starks is good he's really good he was one of the standouts on uh the nwa show 
Um, he he's a great talker. He looks great. He's very very good in the ring. Uh, I'm thrilled that they signed him, and he's he's great as part of Taz's uh, whatever his group is. I uh, I'm not sure what they call him. Yeah, oh, I think Taz. Oh, is it just Team Taz? Way to I be cre- Taz, way to yeah. be creative, guys. Um, <laughs> and then we get well. First of all, Taz's commentary throughout this match was fantastic because he's he's pulling for his guys, but he's also putting everybody else over. He's very good at that um, at putting his guys over, but not being like, "And this guy just sucks, and we're going to beat him." He's always like, "Yeah, you're a tough guy." But uh, you're not going to be like he's he's he gets yeah. the psychology. Uh, yeah, that's fantastic as well. I love it. And at the same time, they're getting Eddie Kingston over big time, uh, making him. I was shocked he was the the one the last one eliminated. I guess you would say by Lance Archer who won the match. But uh, he's got the whole time. He's got his team that he's put together with that big wink to the camera a couple of weeks ago. Um, the old. The old Bret Hart wing. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, really cool ending. And Lance Archer, I'm not totally on board with his look, but he's got the tools to be a sort of Kane-type figure where when you need somebody big and menacing, uh, you can bring him out, you can put him over when you want, but he can also put other guys over. Uh, I, I think he's he's got the right presence and set of skills for that. I feel like if you could take the the intensity of Eddie Kingston and put it in Lance Archer, oh you would have like, the best superstar of all time. Like he need he doesn't have. In fact, the missus mentioned this when we were watching uh, the pay per view. She said he just doesn't have intensity. Like he looks too. Her exact words were, "He looks too friendly." <laughs> He, well, he does. He he does like in his eyes. Like has nice, kind. Like he's probably a really nice dude, and it comes across. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he needs to get rid of that. Yeah, he's he's got to figure out a way to put it out there a little bit more. But still, he's he's got within what AEW is doing, his character has a good spot, and I think he's he's been doing a solid job. And of course, you've got Jake with him to to help with that sort of scariness, I guess. Yeah, uh, Jake's been fantastic as well. Like, uh, not not because he's just a hundred percent doing everything correctly, but the way he has sort of <laughs> some of the stuff he said in his promos lately has been um, hilarious. I don't know if it was meant to be hilarious, but it has been <laughs> 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 talking about busting a nut. You won't bust a nut in this <laughs> ring. Who's like, <laughs> busting a nut, man? <laughs> well, and that's part of the fun of of AEW not being scripted is, you know, some stuff doesn't land, but some stuff is just golden. Oh, absolutely. That's, uh, that's it. And I, you know, I guess now Archer's got uh, Moxley in a title match, so, you know, it all went good. But the, yeah, the Casino Battle Royal wasn't, the, it was probably the worst one they've had, but it wasn't by any stretch a, a bad match or something that didn't live up to the expectations. Well, and that brings me to the one element that I think really was working against everybody that had to work this and that's the fact that it was 95 degrees outside and there were times where you could tell these these people were really struggling with that uh i think there were a couple of matches the main event was one of them where you could just tell how oppressive the heat was and some of these guys were just 
at times moving in slow motion because they just didn't have a choice. You can't work that intensely. You know, we're talking about 23 minutes Moxley and MJF were going at it. In think about doing anything for 23 minutes, let alone fake fighting somebody else in 95 degree heat in Florida. Yeah. My gosh. It's well where I live we get um in the summertime it gets quite humid and like heavy, sticky, thick kind of air. Yeah. So I one hundred percent know what that was and yeah, I I I did I'm not gonna lie, I didn't notice this the first time, but I think if I went back I'd probably be able to tell because that makes complete sense that they're doing this in Daly's place, it's an outdoor open air arena. But yeah, you you can't keep the um you can't keep the humidity out in, it, in environments like that if you go back and watch um i think the the main event and spots of this well the main event's worth watching again it's it's really well done but you'll you'll see like oh my gosh these guys are just struggling but we got we got to move on because we got to get to the figures matt hardy versus sammy Guevara. the story has been great it's it's been wild and crazy this match I, you know, I, I don't know what to say. Obviously, you know, statements have been made. Matt Hardy's okay, but very early on in the match, got thrown, uh, or not thrown. He and Guevara both went off the top of one of those uh, scissor lift seals and didn't quite land on the tables, and Hardy's head visibly bounced off of the concrete. <clears throat> Yeah, at that that bump looked very nasty, but the way the match continued on, when I was watching it, I'm looking at it thinking, I'm like, okay, that must have been planned, because there's no way that they would be throwing up the fake injury signals and, and letting the match continue on if it wasn't. I was like, maybe he just was confident that, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can take this bump and not, you know, crack my head open, but yeah, what we found out after the show is that he, yeah, there may have been a bit of a, um oversight there on letting that match continue but i mean as far as the match goes it's probably not even really a great deal to talk about there was it, it was probably the worst match on the show for for very understandable reasons i guess yeah yeah i mean i think they did the best they could and and hardy you know again that's what comes along with being a veteran is you know they they sent their doctor out there hardy knows himself and carried on and then it just kind of ended with sammy falling off the the thing i eh it was there. I don't think it's going to end this feud. Um, but yeah, let's, let's move on or perhaps we should skip the next match as well. Uh, the, for the AEW women's world championship currently held by Hikaru Shida, uh, who my, this one, uh, my wife came downstairs to watch with me cause she likes Thunder Rosa a lot. Um, we watched it, and Thunder Rosa, th- and this is, to me, as, as somebody who's been watching wrestling for, you know, almost 40 years now, uh, Thunder Rosa was doing her best to accommodate somebody who is not a seasoned wrestler, and which is a weird thing to say, because apparently she has been wrestling for over a decade. I would <laughs> never ever guessed that from the matches that I've seen her in I know she has a big following I know people really like her and I gotta be honest and say 
I don't understand it because to me she looks tentative and awkward and slow and I, I just I don't know maybe I just haven't seen her in the right environment maybe she hasn't had the right opponent but honestly if Thunder Rosa is not the right opponent I don't know who is I'm wondering if perhaps um, I'm not sure if Sheeta has wrestled against um, uh, if she's only wrestled in Japan up until now and maybe doesn't have a great deal of experience uh, wrestling somebody while calling matches in English perhaps uh, I'm not sure what her English is is like but she I mean she uh, speaks if... it relatively fluently okay she's well, she's yeah, cut some thinking promos. Maybe she's she has an accent but it's not like she is she's better at English than uh EO or Asuka or or Kyrie yeah it's, and it could even be something where um the way she's somebody who speaks English better than like hearing it might be maybe a struggle with accents true. or something but yeah it's it's interesting that yeah because I agree that she does feel a little bit um hesitant or tentative in a in a few ways where yeah, it feels like she needs to get her, her footing underneath her a little bit more. So I'm, I'm hoping there's a reason for that, that they can overcome. But yeah, I uh, yeah I, I can't really disagree with you on uh, on that match. That makes me feel better because I feel like I've been so hard on her. And, and it's not like I've, I've not, this is the first time I've publicly expressed my thoughts about her skills uh, because mm. I don't want to just trash somebody. But... I, I just I I don't get it, but I I hope that she does get her feet under. I hope she becomes a great champion, uh, and because I want AEW's women's division to be awesome. Yeah, same. Next up, a very special match, eight man tag team match. Something that AEW does a lot, but in this one we have uh, basically Team Cody, I guess, versus the yeah. Dark Order. I. Well, one, we love that Matt Cardone is in this match, but the thing that stood out to me, and this is another example of AEW's storytelling, is the Colt Cabana story that has been going Ah. on with the Dark Order for several weeks now. (laughs) I love it. It's been done so well. Oh, it's... In fact, we were talking about this story. I was uh, explaining this story to uh, to my housemate, and um, I I mentioned that we said the only way this story could be improved is if they had Marco stunt in the position of Colt Cabana. <laughs> when, they're sh- when they're shielding him from, come on, Marco, let's go over here, buddy. <laughs> uh, was... But yeah, I, I'm loving this. Uh, this was because this is where um, what's his uh, Colt Cabana took the pin, and then Brody Lee like yelled at him and Colt is like, Oh, right. Got mad at him for the, <laughs> for the first time. Yeah. Because up until now, uh, basically Brody Lee has been leading Colt Cabana to victories. Oh, it's, uh, it's amazing. He was like a puppy dog that got like yes. yelled at for the first time. I'm like, Oh my God, like what is happening? <laughs> it's so good. And then of course, on the other side of the match, uh, you've got, Oh, and evil Uno is another one that's really grown on me. I, I didn't care for, I don't know. I didn't get it at first, but now if you watch that guy, his mannerisms are so good. The way he does the little wave, like the, when when he's getting over, when he's getting heat, he's so good with his sort of cockiness and his swagger. That that guy's tremendous under that hood. Yeah, the the Dark Order is an interesting one because it started off kind of 
it started off kind of weird and lame, I and then they thought were it doing was the terrible the, at first. Yeah, but then they were doing the videos of that guy. He's like, "Are you a loser? Do you need to win more matches?" Like that that whole thing. And I started to sort of get into it a bit more. But I think they've made chicken salad out of chicken shit with the Dark Order yes. because that could have just petered off into nothingness. But they stuck with it and they actually made something out of it. So I, yeah, I, I enjoyed that match and the cult storyline. Uh, I'm all in for the Dark Order now as well. And of course, on the other side, we've got you know Matt Cardona getting his first real. I mean, he had the tag match with Cody, but the, he really got to shine uh, and get some good stuff in. Uh, Scorpio Sky, who they seem to be breaking away from SCU and and sort of giving him a little bit of a singles run here. I'm very hmm. curious to see what happens with that. Uh, and then Dustin and QT, who are just you know the definition of seasoned veterans who are great at everything that they do. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. Uh, it, I mean, it was your typical eight man tag match. It it served a purpose. It made sense. There was the 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 fact that Matt Cardona was in there was interesting i will say though i don't think his tights quite translated the way that he was expecting them to (laughs) (laughs) i think that was supposed to look like an action figure like hinge like a i think you're right yeah but it ended up just looking like he was wearing like little white like speedos over just regular purple tights yeah it was a weird look but i did like the boots the boots were were very very cool i liked them i i did dig the boots as well uh, next up, we had FTR versus Omega and Page. Uh, FTR, obviously, a, a great, great ring generals, putting on for a long time the best matches in NXT. Uh, now in AEW, getting a chance to to wrestle more. Uh, Omega and Page. Uh, Adam Page was the first guy that I wasn't familiar with that I latched onto in AEW. I just I like his presence. I like his character. Uh, I'm I think maybe scale back the drunk thing a little bit, but yeah, it's a ballsy move I think to to do like an alcoholic gimmick. But you know what I I think in a in a world where sometimes things are a little bit too you know protected, yeah. I I don't mind them doing a the alcoholic gimmick. It's not like they've really. I don't think they've really like cut like characterized. Um, like it's not like a, the Scott a, Hall thing. Yeah, yeah, it's not like something stupid. It's just a part of his gimmick. And at the end of the day, people drink and people are going to relate to it. So yeah. you know, go for it. But yeah, it was a uh, that was an interesting match. Uh, it was probably the match I was more most looking forward to going into the show. Um, I think I maybe enjoyed Young Bucks versus uh, Lutra Express a bit more than this one, though, to be honest. But well, this one was uh, way too long. I think they, maybe that's why I, I feel like I did drop out a little bit as this match went on a bit. It it went, and this was another one where I feel like the heat played a little bit of a factor. Uh, but it it was almost half an hour, and wow. they did not do a half hour worth of wrestling. <laughs> it, it was yeah. uh, I don't I don't know I. All those guys can have great matches, and this, you know, it wasn't bad by any means, but Mm. I I wouldn't consider it a great match. But I do like that they got the titles on to FDR. Uh, Omega and Page can move on to other things, and Mm -hmm. now we get to maybe really dig into a tag division uh, here in AEW, which is exciting because I'm never a fan of the tag titles being on people who are not a tag team. 
I, I don't mind it on occasion, but yeah, I'd much prefer to have a you know a well-oiled tag team be the be the champions. But this it's kind of unfortunate that this match was um, uh, the the story of this match at the end was Omega and Hangman because FTR won the belts and this is the first time they've won the tag team titles. But with that being said, it's probably more important to get that story across than to celebrate FTR, especially because they're heels. I mean, they don't yeah. need the the moment. It'll be good to have the bragging moment, but I'm sure we'll get plenty of that in the weeks to come. Oh, for sure. For sure. This one, uh, they'll get their recognition. They'll get to move forward and then Paige and Omega, which is a story that they've been telling with FTR as part of it. Uh, but that was definitely kind of the focus of what was going on here. And that's, you know, and, and again, that's kind of what happens when you have not a tag team being the champs is, is that because yeah. if you've got two guys who are not a tag team and you put the belts on them, you're doing it for story reasons. You're not doing it to get over the tag division or to get over the belts. Yeah, that's true. I, I do. If it's two main event guys, like I think we had Austin and Shawn Michaels and the rocket mankind. If it's two guys that, in their own right could be the top guy anyway i feel like putting them together it creates like a super team it's like the the mega powers kind of thing but i wouldn't want to see you know qt marshall and sunny kiss beating ftr right right yeah yeah uh next up we had the first ever mimosa mayhem match i thought it was tons of fun uh it was (laughs) as ridiculous as you would expect it to be uh, I mean, when you bring vat of mimosa, not just one vat of mimosa, but two vats of mimosa <laughs> into a wrestling match. My son actually, because my son really likes Orange Cassidy, uh, he actually came down and watched this one with me, and and we had a lot of fun watching it. It was it was it was exactly what it needed to be. It was the palate cleanser between an intense tag match and the main event. Yeah, but one of the things that stood out to me at this match is, okay, you've got this kind of goofy gimmick match. It's a heated feud, but it's, you know, you're not really sure how the match is going to even play out. And the first thing that happens is Orange Cassidy sprints across the ring yes. and gets hit with a coat breaker. Yes. I was like, oh, okay, we're off to the races here. Here we go. <laughs> well, and that was what was so great is he, um, Cassidy is brilliant at using his gimmick and the fans' expectations because he opens and puts his arms up. You're like, oh, here it comes. He's putting them in the pockets. We're going to do the thing. And then he just rushes Jericho. It was, and he he's, uh, I really want live crowds back so bad because oh, yeah. while I've, I have been enjoying these shows from both brands without audiences, uh, I think, both companies have figured out ways around that limitation. Uh, but once we've got live crowds back, we're really going to see how much these guys and gals have gotten themselves over in the past few months. And I think it's going to be like, we're going to have some really big new superstars. Yeah. I, I would love to know who they are planning on bringing into the company once the live crowds are back. Oh, yeah. But I don't think they can plan on bringing anyone in because who knows when that's going to be. Is it going to be 12 months from now? Or is it going to be five years from now? I like, know, never know. I know. Oof. Yeah, but but I, I enjoyed this match front to back. Jericho and Orange Cassidy are great. I have so much admiration for Jericho. The fact that he said, hey, Orange Cassidy, this is the guy that all of my peers who I learned from and 
worked with earlier on in my career are saying that this guy is just the worst, well, I'm going to go in there and do a full-on big-time main event program with this guy and prove everybody wrong. And it's it just kind of shows that AEW is really giving putting trust and faith in its wrestlers to go and do the matches that they want to do and and trust them that that match is going to be amazing and so far they've been uh, i think the strike rate the strike rate's been pretty good yeah yeah i would agree with that 100 percent. finally yeah. we have our main yeah. event yep john moxley the aew world champion defending against mjf the best heel currently working in wrestling in my opinion uh yeah and I haven't seen a whole lot of MJF wrestling. I think I've only seen a few matches here and there, but his mic work is so incredibly good for a, what is he, like 24 years old or something? I, he may not even be that old, to oh be honest. Oh, my I think gosh. He might be a bit yeah. Unbelievable. His, his self-confidence uh, on the mic and in the ring is unbelievable for somebody that age. Uh, he is sky is the limit for this guy. This match, like I said, I feel like the heat was a factor. It was good, and it's worth watching. I've watched it twice now. Um, they do a great job. They tell a great story. Uh, the work on the arm when MJF grabs Moxley's arm when they're on the apron and goes down with it. It yeah. that sick. It was sickening. The way that it hit, it was amazing. Yeah, and the uh, the double foot stomp to the elbow as well later on in the match, that was another one that looked absolutely brutal to for Moxley to take. So no, they've, they've done a really good job giving him some very um, uh, effective, almost scary kind of offense, just so that you know that, okay, this guy's not like a, a, pro, a professional wrestler, this guy's a killer. Like, he, he's going to maim. He's going to break arms. He's going to, you know, very violently attack a body part. And I think that's perfect for him. And I just want to point out the uh, Kurt Angle tights that uh, MJF was wearing. Yes. I don't know if you remember. Kurt Angle used to have the exact same <laughs> design on his uh, on his trunks as well. So that was a nice little throwback. <laughs> yeah, that... Uh... Both guys, they're they're selling the way that they lay in their moves. They're both very aggressive in different ways. I really like, and and I was not a huge Dean Ambrose fan. I, I just mm. never. I was always waiting for this character, and we never saw him in WWE. Really, we saw glimpses. But we, I think we saw glimpses of it back in uh, Florida championship wrestling or ovw i think it might have still been at the time when he feuded with william regal but um yeah it's been they've really um you know wwe never embraced the, the john moxley character that he was using before he joined them and when he left wwe and it, there was a thing on twitter that said moxley is coming or something like that i got actual goosebumps because the John Moxley character's reputation had preceded him before WWE. I knew he was a bit of a uh, bit of a crazy man, and yeah, I, AEW again, right place, right time to get this this um, character that's a little bit kind of mythological in the wrestling world because a lot of people had never really seen it. Yeah, but but we had we had heard it. I mean, from the CZW stuff to like we mm. we knew how he liked to work. We just really hadn't ever seen him work that way. So this. 
I, I really like him as the champion. I'm glad they left the title on him. Uh, MJF yeah. has plenty of places to go without winning the belt right now. And Moxley, you know, we get, we're getting Moxley versus Archer. Like you said, that's going to be, uh, I feel like we might hear the word slobber knocker. That's going to be a lockdown <laughs> drag out slobber knocker, brother. <laughs> uh, so yeah, main event was, uh, again, I, I think those guys were, were struggling a little bit, but very satisfying overall. I, I, it wasn't my favorite pay-per-view ever, but from beginning to end, I was entertained by what I saw. Yes, yes, and I, I agree with that as well. There were some lulls in, in the show, but again, it was never it never got to the point where it was eye-rolling or you wanted to turn it off or... No, no, never, you know, never. ...change the channel or anything like that. All right, well, we have to move on now and wrap this thing up with a little toy yeah. talk because this is the Needless Things podcast, and we do love talking about toys, and... Uh, Adam and I both have sitting in front of us our AEW unrivaled action figure collections. Uh, I am currently looking at two different versions of Chris Jericho. Uh, a Cody, not Cody Rhodes, just Cody. we got to remember that. Uh, and the Young Bucks. And I have to say that as somebody who collects a lot of different six-ish six inch scale action figures, these are next level figures, and the fact that they're the first wave blows my mind. Yes. Um, I think the, the first thing, the elephant in the room, but they're going to fix this up, is the complexion of the skin tone. They all seem a little bit washed out. Like, if there's any people that are into, like, painting and stuff, it it feels like the red paint has not... They haven't put enough red paint in the dye to to make a a proper flesh color. So instead of... It looks just a little bit pale. But, I mean, I've recently started collecting the Marvel Legends figurines, and the articulation on those is basically the same as the articulation on these ones. It's all very... um, uh, The joints snap into place it's not like a smooth movement. It's like actual, like locking into different kind of um, positions and stuff. So I, yeah, as far as the actual make of the figures, they are, they are deluxe quality um, figurines as far as wrestling figures go and any other kind of figure as well. They look amazing. Well, I got to say for, for a $20 action figure, you know, price point wise, they are competing with Marvel legends, uh, obviously with WWE's elite. Um, but, these figures, first, the first thing that really impressed me is that the waist joint is a ball joint rather than a cut joint. So when you turn the figure, you don't have that horrible, just sliced open abdomen. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. That was one of the things I noticed as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the ratcheting joints are great because you can really feel... Uh, you can get poses in and they can hold them. Like there's no sense of whatsoever that you're going to pose these guys and they're going to kind of droop over time. And the plastic, the, the feel of the plastic is a higher quality than the Marvel legends or the, the WWE elite figures. I feel like. Interesting. Let me have a quick look. Yeah, you're right. It, it feels more, the, the, I've got a Rey Mysterio in my hand and then Nick Jackson in the other, and it 
Mysterio feels a lot more solid plastic, but the Nick Jackson feels like not not that there's some give in it, like it's squishy, but it doesn't feel as rigidly plastic as the Rey Mysterio one. Yeah, there there's just a, a difference here, and I think we're there's uh, there's some ABS, there's some PVC, but the mix to me is more successful. I don't know. I just I really like the feel of these figures. They're they're solid, but they move so well that th- this design is just great. I mean, it really is. And the, uh, like you said, maybe the skin tone is a little light, but they've already said that that's going to be improved. And for a first wave, I mean, th- this is amazing. Mm. The deco, all, the amount of deco on like Cody is tremendous. Yeah. The, are you talking about the uh, design on the tights? Yeah. I assume. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, uh, they've done a really, really fantastic job. And obviously, Brandy's matches Cody's as well, which I... So I picked up the entire first wave and a little bit of the bubble. Um, and, yeah, they, they all look pretty fantastic. A lot of people were... Um, some people were complaining about the face on the Chris Jericho, but I think that was before the figure was actually released because the ones that I'm looking at now look pretty pretty spot on, to be honest. Yeah, both of my Jericho faces are great. And actually, I didn't even notice because I haven't had them in proximity. My uh, little bit of the bubbly Jericho uh, has been on a different shelf until tonight. I didn't even realize they have different faces because the single release has an angry face Jericho and uh, the bubbly has a happy face Jericho. That's right. That's, uh, that's how you look after a little bit of the right. Absolutely. Now, take a look at your AEW championship belt, because I have noticed that mine has two right plates. Oh. The plate on the left side is actually the right plate turned upside down. Uh, what do we got here? AEW. No, mine is perfectly fine. Oh, Are good, you talking good. about the... So you've got the middle plate, the and middle then you're plate, talking about the next plates from there. Right, on the belt's left or on your right, if you're looking straight at it. Uh, mine is, is just upside down, which I don't care. I'm sure I'm yep. going to have a drawer full of AEW championship belts before we're, <laughs> it's said and done, so I'm not really worried about it. Uh, yeah. So no, I just had a look. I had a proper look. All of mine are the, the right way up, so okay, cool, yeah, I cool. didn't even didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, I I had noticed it online. Somebody had pointed it out. Uh, but this is solid first wave, great, great figures. Uh, the Bucks, like I said, I only recently started really liking them. The reason I bought these Bucks figures, because I didn't intend to, is my <laughs> wife is thoroughly amused by them and thinks that they look like Sweets, the Dr. Pepper mascot. <laughs> So that's that you're into the young bucks figurines, and, well, and especially in these costumes in this gear, they really look like that little guy, like the mm. colors, the red and white specifically. So I was like, you know what? I'm they're here. I'm just gonna get them. And now I've got. Yeah, I'm I, sure we're gonna see other color variations on the bucks in the future because obviously this is kind of one of their less exciting sets of gear. Yeah, the the Elvis Presley, um, oh maybe it's Pelvis Wesley um, uh, clothing <laughs> that they've got. But yeah, I uh, so did you have you opened yours up at this point? Oh or? yeah, they're all open. I, I'm yep. I'm an opener. Okay, so I wasn't that impressed with the Young Bucks jacket though. It looks fantastic when it's posed, but it was kind of hard to 
it's hard to pose them once they're wearing the jacket because it kind of twists and then it kind of pulls and there's no there's no back to the jacket it's like a big flap of um uh, like with the the young bucks thing on there. Oh, there is a back to it. Actually. Yeah, yeah. It's it's be. a what it is is it's a jacket with the cape sewn onto it. But mm. the, really, the only issue I had is it's hard to tell where their articulation is, like which way the joints are turned when the jacket is on. That's the trouble yeah, I've maybe had that's with posing. But yeah, if you kind of pre-pose a little bit and then slide the jacket on you can kind of get what you want so i i'm a big fan of soft goods when they're done well and i feel like these were done really well um i I feel they're a bit too rigid well once you you move them around a little bit they're not too bad mm, mm, i have to give it more of a more of a try but yeah yeah. that's the only two that i've opened is the young bucks and the little bit of the bubbly the others i've still in uh in box but um yeah I the Kenny Omega one uh, I'm a bit torn on this. I don't really think that it's it looks overly accurate with the hair. Mm-hmm. The attire looks great, the body looks great, the the hands and all that all look great, but the hair is the only thing that it the silver that they tried to put in it doesn't really translate. But I think there was also a running change on that as well. Oh uh, yeah, you know what? I think you're right and I also think that the uh the one that comes with the ring, the ringside exclusive one that comes with the real scale or elite scale ring, I think it might be called. Uh, I think that one is a little more accurate looks wise, but you have to spend a hundred whatever bucks on the ring to get that one. So Uh, don't tempt me because I want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I mean, again, we will a hundred percent be getting another Kenny Omega at some point. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit right now is, We know Wave 2 is on the way before the end of the year. Uh, It's the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix, MJF, Moxley, and Dustin Rhodes. I've already got the whole set pre-ordered from ringside because that, to me, is... That's a great wave. Yeah, that that is a great wave. And put it this way, this is a little bit sad, a little bit sad news. Um, we had a contact in Victoria down in Australia who was a, who had a contact at Jazzwares, um, and was able to basically get the AEW figures at shelf price in Australia. Oh, wow. $30 Australian, which I guess is $20 US. Okay. Figure collectors are going nuts because we're like, finally, we're not going to have to pay like $50 each figure to get the AEW ones. Yeah. Well, there's been a mix-up. They're not going to be able to. Uh, they've they've had problems getting Wave One. The same place has had problems getting the new set of elites, which they were promised and and people have pre-ordered, and they haven't been able to follow it through. So oh, no. at the moment, it's a big question mark on where or how I might acquire these ones. I don't want to just buy them from ringside and then they show up in Australia because yeah, yeah. I'll just be completely overspending. So. I'm on a bit of a hiatus at the moment, but I'm getting a little bit nervous because the first wave was not um, easy to come by, it looks like. So um, I might just have to bite the bullet and maybe just order them from ringside just so I can stay ahead of the uh, ahead of the curve because well, I, I need I need Penta and Ray Phoenix oh, so much. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was on the fence about buying the boss fight versions of them, and then mm-hmm. they got announced for wave two of AEW and I was like well I'm getting those because they're those are 20 bucks American and the boss fight <laughs> ones are like 45 American I think so 
yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to mess with that. Uh, yeah, my my intentions is to have a lucha underground shelf, so I definitely oh, need yeah, yeah. a couple of those guys for that. Um, so you'll you'll have to get a little mask to go on your ricochet figure. I bought the Prince Puma Velveteen Dream Battle Pack with the intentions of doing a torso swap. Nice. <laughs> Um, so uh, but, uh, yeah. we know that uh, Orange Cassidy, Pac, and Darby Allen are in Wave Three. They haven't announced the rest of the Wave yet, although uh, I've seen people say that Sheeta and Joey Janela are possible, and they were they were signed in early 2019. So it's entirely possible that they could make it into a Wave. Um, wow! I think. I think it wouldn't be surprising to see Private Party. I think they're very toyetic. Uh, I I think it would be some much-needed diversity in the line. Because if you look, they they don't have a whole lot of that. Uh, So I think that's something they should should focus on. I think that would be a smart pick. Uh, Do you have any speculation on what Wave 3 might be? Yeah, so is it confirmed that it's going to be Darby Allen, um, Orange Cassidy, and who was the other one you said? Pac. And Puck, okay. Or Pac, I think we're, we're is supposed it to Pac? say. It is Pac. <laughs> yeah, Jay, I was saying, he's like, I spoke to him and he told me it's Pac, so that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so if that means, what, three more? So I wouldn't mind seeing SCU, to be honest. Yeah, that would be great, and they've been there since the beginning, so that would make sense. Yeah, uh, but I think they've also shown prototypes for like Luchasaurus and stuff as well. So I'm I'm wondering if he might he might need to be like the first one in a in a wave of his own kind of thing. Where because I have a feeling that figure is going to be a lot more expensive to um, produce than some of the other ones. But who knows? Maybe if we get a Luchasaurus, we might be fortunate enough to get a Michael Nakazawa to reduce the. Um, uh, production costs on that wave or something like that because <laughs> i like nakazawa he's my guy well it's interesting because we haven't gotten far enough into the line to see how they're going to handle things like will it be luchasaurus and then like four repaints will it be you know we don't know what their plan is going to be yet because all we know all we have confirmed is wave two and half of wave three uh but yeah i do think well, luchasaurus has got to be on the fast track I, I, they would have to. Uh, they would have to do the box a little bit differently because I'm looking at the Chris Jericho in the box, and Jericho basically takes up from the bottom of the window all the way to the top of the window. So if they're going to have Luchasaurus and he's going to be taller than everybody else, they might have to really change how they actually package that figure in huh. these boxes if they want him to be the same size as everybody else. Or could they potentially be planning cuz we we don't we haven't seen anything about two packs we haven't seen anything about box sets could they potentially just do a Jurassic Express box set with Luchasaurus Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt I'd be down for that as well or the other option could be make Luchasaurus or any of the taller guys a ringside exclusive so that way you can have a unique uh, packaging for him and you can make it a little bit bigger yeah but i think a guy like yeah, that I, I, you, you want a guy like that at retail that's a guy yeah. that little kids are gonna buy even if they don't know who he is yeah it's it's an interesting thing though yeah next time you see one of these figures in the box have a look at the size of the figure in comparison to the window and then think how are they going to do like 
Jake Hager and Luchasaurus and Lance Archer and those kind of guys. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at that. I hadn't even thought about that even when I was Chris, opening these guys up. I feel like Chris up. Harrison needs a bit of one too. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Well, I uh, my speculation for fourth wave, which we know nothing about. I think they've shown scans of Santana and Ortiz, uh, mm. but I don't know that we've seen anything else. But my my purely speculated fourth wave, uh, being realistic is Santana, Ortiz, Britt Baker, Scorpio Sky, Frankie Kazarian, and Sammy Guevara, and Sky and Kazarian would come with the tag titles. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that... I'd, be, I'd be down for that one. Um, the thing is, because like I say, they, they build up their mid-carders so much as well. Like They could really put any of these guys in there, it feels like. Yeah, and that's the thing, is it's hard to even say who seems likely and, and who doesn't. I mean, really, anybody seems likely. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of, of waiting and seeing. If I could just... What what would... If you could just, right now, here's the fourth wave. Who would, who would you slot into that? Like, who are your most wanted characters as figures? Um, I think Santana and Ortiz uh, definitely need to get those guys because I feel like... The, the first real factions that they've had have been the Inner Circle and the Elite. And we've basically got most of the Elite. Well, yeah, Hangman's coming soon. So I'd like to see Wave 4 be Santana and Ortiz, um, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara. What's that? That's four. And then from that, Chris Statlander and... Um, I'm gonna be the last one. Who's a good? Who who's very toyetic that could also use a figure? Uh, I don't know, Chris Statlander and maybe um, uh, what's his name? The uh, the guy who has Penelope Ford. Ah. Kip Sabian. That's funny you said that. Kip Sabian. Yes, because... just because I think he'd be an easy one to do. You could have him with a bunch of signs and stuff like that. I, I've actually got him in my wave four because I, what I was trying to do is get five guys and one female in my sort of, if I was going to make a wave, and my wave four was Chuck and Trent because we already know Orange is coming, so I feel like you got to get those guys out. And then Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian because you want them in the same wave because they're together. Statlander, I think, is great and toyetic, but I think she was signed too recently to make a wave four, which is the yeah, very, only reason I didn't put her in there. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, you want to get her out ASAP because she's got such a great look. Like she, she'll be, as a matter of fact, you could even do like chase variants of her and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, did you see the chase variant for Darby Allen? Yes. Yes. Very, very cool. I love that so they're do doing you, that stuff. Do you understand why they made that black and white? It's uh, from one of the old, or is it from his promo videos, or was it yeah, a look he, he does, actually he had? He does these vignettes that are yeah, always in yeah. black and white film, like every every other week he seems to do one, so I'm pretty sure that it's supposed to represent his uh, his vignettes, which, you know what, that's super creative and perfect for a chase, so bravo to Jazzwares for that one. Yeah, and, and I love the way that they're doing the chases, because they're things that I would like to have, but not things that are necessary. Like, I'd love to have the Cody with the Star Trek shirt on, but yeah. I'm not going to find one, and I'll live that. with it. 
I'm I'm a bit worried about the because I'm not sure the the chase for the WWE elite figures they would have to be up in the thousands at least. Oh yeah, Tens I think I think they produce way more. Yeah, the the fact that these ones there's only like 500 and things like that they'll become huge collector items, but it it also takes the wins out of your sales because they're numbering these figures. So it feels like at any given time there can only be 500 people with a complete set in the world. But see, that's to me. I think that's because I've always just sort of collected what I want. I don't have the compulsion to have every single piece of every single thing. Mm. But I get people who who do want that, who collect you know for different reasons than I do. Uh, but I it's think more just they put a. It's more just because they put a number on the actual box, right? Right. <laughs> so you're but always I mean, going to go like one, two, three, four, five, six, nine, ten. <laughs> Jeremy Pedaler's the king of this rodeo, man. He knows what he's doing with this line and i uh, it's smart it seems like smart stuff to me yeah but that's definitely first world problems they it, oh yeah i yeah. think the day that a chase comes out that everybody wants it you might see some yeah some unhappy people but hey that's the name of the game yeah absolutely i mean if you want it you're gonna have to spend the big bucks on it i guess yeah uh so that's uh yeah, and uh, probably lastly, Brandy Rhodes. Um, figure looks pretty good. Looks actually looks quite a bit like her, but like the other ones, even though her she's got darker skin, it's it's missing the red dye from that paint. It mm. it just looks a little bit washed out and a little bit pale. But and oh, that's weird. She has no. This sounds weird, but she ha so she has no like cleavage, if that makes sense. But then her collarbones are like, like dead flat. Oh my god, that's what she actually looks like. Okay, forget me. I'm just looking <laughs> at the picture of it now. She's got weird collarbones. I never noticed that before. I haven't. Uh, I haven't seen a brandy at all yet. Ah, um, uh, yeah. I, and, I hear and, you on that one. And actually, the the figures are still pretty scarce just around here at retail. Uh, you know, mm. I I found my set. Well, no, I got. Uh, I found a Jericho at one Walmart, and then about a week later, I found the Bucks and Cody uh, at a different wow. one. But I've only seen the figures a few times, and they are like they're they're selling. They're selling like crazy, which I think is great. Yeah, uh, hopefully that means they can start producing more. And who knows? Maybe they can even start producing more chases down the down the road as well as the sales pick up and and they get a bit more steam. That'd be cool, I reckon. I don't know if we'll. I, I like I said, Jeremy Padauer knows what he's doing. I feel like those chase numbers are going to stay pretty much where they are. I, I I think it's a good call. Like it creates excitement. Um, but we'll we'll see. We'll see if there's any backlash to that. You know, already some people don't don't care for the concept, but to me it's something that if you're into it, it's very exciting. Uh so I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. But we gotta wrap this thing up, man. Uh real quick yeah, man. have you got uh so you don't have the big deluxe ring. You've got have you got the regular ring? No, I didn't get the regular ring either. I'm going to try and track one of those down, but um, no, I didn't get either of the rings, unfortunately. I, I do regret that. I wish I would just place the order now, knowing how difficult they're going to be to get moving forward. <laughs> I I grabbed one of the just basic rings, the 20 bucks uh, American, and I think it's the best cheap ring I've ever owned from any wrestling toy line. It's big, 
Um, you know, obviously it's not scaled, but it looks good with the figures. It's very sturdy. Uh, the ropes have just the right amount of spring to them. Like, it, it's a good ring. I'm very, very happy with it. I think if anybody was wanting to make custom rings for any purpose, this is a great base to get. And just don't put the stickers on it and paint it or put sti- you know put different stickers, whatever you want to do. It's a really, really good wrestling ring. Yeah, I, I look forward to these becoming a bit more available or maybe going uh, becoming a bit cheaper to get and trying to snap up a few of them because they look good. I've heard really good things about the ring as well, so it's definitely the missing piece of my puzzle. Well, man, before we wrap it up, any final thoughts about AEW? Uh, any speculation, anything at all uh, you, you want to mention before we shut it down? I want to go on record at this point of saying that one day... MJF will be the next Dwayne the Rock Johnson. There, I've said it. it. It's out there in the world. Um, We'll have to see if this ends up being correct or not. I don't don't know if I feel like that's even a bold prediction. I I can see there is absolutely a road that leads there. It's just a matter of if they'll, you know, hit all the right speeds at the right times. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm telling you, that's that's what's uh, next on the agenda for him is uh, Scorpion King 3. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. Let's do it. That's it. Um, but I can, uh, if you don't mind, I think last time I was on, I promised to plug, plug my uh, YouTube channel, which I've recently started. So if you are interested in NBA 2K content, WWE content, movies, TV shows, uh, gaming streams, anything that you know, overgrown children like ourselves uh, into. Um, check out on YouTube, FWCI, etc. It's only been up for a few weeks, but we've been uploading daily so far. So, um, yeah, join us and um, yeah, let us know what you think about the videos in the comments. And uh, hopefully I get to speak to you guys again soon. And uh, on Instagram as well, right? Ah, yes. It's uh, FWCIETC on Instagram and FWCIE on twitter so um it's a black green yellow um sorry black green and white logo so uh have a look at that and uh yeah looking forward to speaking to you guys online awesome adam thanks for coming on and talking again and uh we'll be talking to you then later too easy cover all right you guys it's time for some real talk i have noticed in editing lately that skype seems to be getting worse and worse about clipping uh, where like words and portions of words will fall out sometimes and it sucks and it really pisses me off but the alternative to Skype is to pay around 15 bucks a month for a better recording solution Uh, I do not have 15 bucks a month to sink and why well, I, I do I'm not willing to sink 15 bucks a month uh, into the show I just I, I can't do it uh, I, I am open to alternatives if any of you have any suggestions for uh, cost effective alternatives to take care of these problems because I hate it every time I, I hear it it annoys the crap out of me but I'm already sinking a, a pretty decent amount of money into this show for free for you guys to enjoy. Uh, I attempted a Patreon a few years ago, and, and that was, you know, we had some awesome supporters, but it didn't, uh, it, it didn't cover the show 
and the amount of work it required above and beyond what I was already doing didn't make it worthwhile. So uh, finances are absolutely a thing when you're doing a free podcast. So uh, what we're offering now is kind of the best we can offer. But if anybody else has any suggestions about things I, I am open to them 100 percent. we're actually making a big change with execute chapter 66 in order for it to become more autonomous in its own thing uh that's going to be positive so i i am open to change if anybody has any great ideas let me know i love you guys you have been listening to a needless things podcast you can follow needless things on facebook twitter Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.